Proverbs 3, verses 3 and 4, it says this, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. As many of you know, this week will uh, be the week that we celebrate Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day is a time where we celebrate love, but true love is what we find in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Uh, he is the one who loves us unconditionally. He loves us regardless of the choices that we have made. We are told that nothing shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And today we genuinely celebrate the love that he alone offers to us. As a part of his love, did you know that every person has been created with a purpose? That's right, even while we were in our mother's womb, God had a plan for each of us, for our lives. He knew what we would look like. He knew what our greatest strengths and what our greatest weaknesses would be. He knew everything about us. And it's not just his knowledge of us. He had a plan and we were specifically designed to accomplish that plan. I really hope that that does encourage you a little this morning, no matter who you are, no matter what you are facing today, no matter how you got where you are today, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I've been told that if you are still breathing, he still has a plan and a purpose for you. Now, I also really hope that this will do more than encourage you, but that it will also challenge you a bit. You see, while God clearly has a plan for you, and he was very intentional in the way he designed you, in some ways, it is up to you whether you will accomplish that plan. What I mean by that is God gifted you, and now you have to be a good steward with those gifts. God gives us our purpose. Now it is up to us as to whether we will fulfill our purpose. One of the things that makes that difficult is we are all unique. God didn't give the same gifts and abilities to Tim that he gave to me. God didn't give the same gifts and abilities to Jimmy that he gave to Tim. Each one of us is uniquely made. There are gifts and abilities that God intended us to have for his purposes. So how do we determine what God's purpose for us truly is? The easiest way to answer that question is twofold. First, we must look up. This is a reference to our need to seek God's will and not our own. So often our own selfish desires can get in the way of things that God may want done. So start by seeking him and his will. You do that by getting into his word and through prayer and through fellowship and through worship. Look up. Amazingly enough, God's word does very clearly identify certain things that you and I were very much created for. But the second way that we do this is we must look out. Open our eyes and see where God has put us and the way that he has made us. It may not be that hard to figure out your purpose just by looking out. For example, one of the things that all of us were created to do is to serve as a bridge for our world to reach Jesus Christ. 
It doesn't take a genius to figure out that the purpose of a bridge is very simple most of the time. I did find a bridge in Azusa, California, as I was preparing for today's message that is referred to as the Bridge to Nowhere. That's because plans change mid-project, causing the other side of the road never to be completed, even though 90 years have passed. But typically, a bridge serves to connect people from one side to the other. A great example of this is at the Royal Gorge in Colorado Springs. Years ago, I had the privilege of taking my family there. It is a beautiful place, but it also tests your nerves just a little bit. When the wind blows, you can feel the sway of the bridge. It's not a short distance to the bottom either. The Royal Gorge Bridge sits more than a thousand feet above the Arkansas River, connecting two mountain ranges together. For those of you who don't see that as being very impressive, I have another view for you here that kind of reveals the true beauty that is there as well as an idea of how high up you stand. Now here's the deal. I understand that the Royal Gorge Bridge is an inanimate object. But if it weren't, that bridge would never have to wonder what its purpose was. The bridge exists to connect people across a long span from one side to the other. Just by looking out, you can see that. Well, you serve the same purpose. God created you to serve as a bridge, showing the path for others to reach across a great span and find God. There is a passage in Matthew 28 that is often referred to as the Great Commission. It is a sending out, but it's not just intended for the original apostles. It is intended for every person who would pursue Christ. In other words, if you call yourself a Christian, then this great commission is intended for you. Listen to your call to become that bridge. It says this in verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Know that God has called you to go and make disciples, introducing them to God and then helping them to grow in their relationship with him. The best part about this commission is the fact that Jesus promises that you won't have to do it alone. He says, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. There is a sense of comfort in knowing that you don't have to figure out all of this stuff on your own. You don't have to have all of the answers. Instead, you have Jesus Christ walking alongside you empowering you to do more than you ever could have imagined. 
I'm going to challenge you for a moment here. And I know that this may be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's very important. If you are not serving as a bridge to the lost and broken world around us, then you are not fulfilling God's purpose that he gave you. You may be accomplishing other purposes, but this is not an optional thing. Matthew 28 does not tell us, if you want, I want you to go out and make disciples of all nations. It doesn't say that some of you will be called to go out and to make disciples of all nations. It is not a request. It is a command. Go and make disciples of all nations. It is not an optional thing. It is a command of God, and he expects his people to respond to his command. So how do we do that? How do we best accomplish our purpose as a bridge for Jesus Christ? Our passage in Proverbs 3 that I read to you earlier, that Jerry read earlier, our passage starts with instructions to let love and faithfulness never leave you. We are to allow it to become an integral part of our lives. And I would say that this is where any type of sharing the gospel must begin. We connect with other people through living and loving. I wonder which would be most effective with you. Would you be more likely to respond positively to an individual who stands up and yells at you regarding your sinful choices? Or would you be more likely to respond to an individual who has already demonstrated their love for you, and then they address the sinful choices that might be present in your life. For me, love changes everything. When I know that love is at the root of what comes out of your mouth, then it's a whole lot easier for me to respond to it in a healthy manner. But that love cannot be something that you simply turn on and turn off when you set out to accomplish your mission. It needs to be a part of every relationship that we keep. So let's start with the call to love within. You see, there's two different types of love. One is loving within. One is loving without. In other words, on the outside. If you cannot love those inside the body of Christ then you cannot truly love those outside the body. And by the way, the outside world is very much aware that this is true. Consider the words of Jesus in John 13, verse 34 and 35. He says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. In other words, the world can look at others who talk about love, but if you aren't actually showing it, at least among yourselves, they're just empty words. The rest of the world's not dumb. They're looking at you and they're saying, you're just like everybody else, until you begin to display the love of God in the way you handle your relationships. You know, it's not hard to be like everybody else, but God doesn't want us to be like everybody else. He wants us to be set apart as different. And the thing that makes us different is the love of God that exists within us. Have you ever seen a team with incredible talent 
but they couldn't get along with each other. It's sad. They could be champions, but selfishness or unclear agendas keep them from being all that they could be. Consider the political world. (laughs) Whether you're Democrat or Republican is irrelevant to this question. You have all these great leaders and They have probably accomplished great things in their own home states and in their own hometowns. But when you put them all together, they do nothing but fight and nothing gets accomplished. Because they do so with their own agenda instead of actually loving the people sitting across the aisle. But we are to be different Jesus calls us to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then there's the clear implication of this. Jesus says that by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. I wonder, does the way you love one another reveal that you are Jesus' disciples? How are you doing at loving the church, loving the person sitting beside you or across the aisle from you this morning? Do you love on those who are hurting? Do you complain about the people who sit in church with you on Sunday morning? You go to lunch on Sunday and how does the conversation go? Can you believe the pastor talked about that today? Can you believe she was wearing that today? Can you believe he was there today with her? Do you know what he's been doing? How are you doing at loving the church? How do you respond when things don't go the way you think they should? Do you become angry and bitter? or Do you graciously embrace your brothers or sisters who may see things differently from you? How are you doing at loving within? When we genuinely love those within, we are in a great position to now love those on the outside, the outside of the body of Christ. The prophet Isaiah wrote these words. He said, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Know that the people outside of Christ desperately need the good news. Without Christ, they are destined for hell. And if we genuinely love them, then we must proclaim salvation to them. I was reading this past week of some Israeli scientists who believe that they may have discovered, or at least close to discovering, the cure for certain types of cancer, including breast cancer. Man, what an incredible thing that would be. Well, could you imagine that you had the cure to cancer, yet you sat on it, not making it available to a world of people who desperately need it? That would not be love. Actually, that would be evil. You have the cure to eternal death in Jesus Christ. 
yet so many of us have sat on it. We've kept it to ourselves, but we are surrounded by a world that desperately needs to know that there is hope and there is a way out. And Jesus Christ is that way out, but he is the only way out. And We have the privilege of sharing life with those who are destined for death. It's more than that. I want to go back to this idea that you can't turn your love on and off for people. Either you love them or you don't. Certainly there are times that you need to develop your own spiritual strength before trying to pick others up out of their sin. I think of a former drug addict who is fresh out of his addiction. Don't go back to the drug dealer's house to be able to go love on him as a new believer in Christ. But understand this, you cannot completely isolate yourself from others and then claim to love them. Demonstrate your love for others by getting involved in their lives. Love on their kids. Ask them how you can pray for them. Call them during times of crisis and during times of celebration. Share a meal with them. Open up your house to them. Love others the way Christ loved us. Loving others is not that difficult, but we must be intentional or it will not happen at all. We must love the world that God, the people in the world that God has placed around us. We're not called to love the world, but we are to love the people that God puts in place around us. Why? Because he loves them. He desires that every one of them be made right with him. It is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He loves them enough that he would send his own son to die for them. And he wants us to love them in that manner as well. And when we genuinely love others, then we can connect them through words. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is found in the temple and he's reading a passage aloud from the book of Isaiah. Look at the passage with me beginning in verse 18. It says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He is proclaiming to the people his purpose. He has come to bring good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoner, sight to the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Going back to the Great Commission, that we read about earlier, following Christ's crucifixion, his expectation was that we would become his bridge for a fallen world. That means that we are to bring good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoner, sight to the blind, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The same thing that he was talking about here. In other words, we're not called to be bitter or condemning so much as we are called to bring hope to a world that desperately needs it. That's what we do when we love the audience. 
And of course, such an approach is generally going to be well-received. Luke 4.22 tells us that everyone spoke well of Jesus. It was a very welcome message. You know, if you're going to tell me that I've been blind and you're going to give me sight, man, I like the sound of this guy. I've been a prisoner. You're going to set me free. I like the sound of this guy. This is the year of the Lord's favor. I really like the sound of this guy. They liked what he said. If you tell me God's going to bless me, then I'll probably appreciate your words. But know also that genuine love for someone will eventually call you to speak some of the harder truths to people as well. I started today's message with the image of the beautiful Royal Gorge Bridge. I mentioned that I'd been across it with my family. It was nice. It was a welcome treat. It was much easier than having to climb a thousand feet down and then a thousand feet up just to get back over to the other side. Well, here's another picture of a man walking across the Royal Gorge. Which bridge would you prefer to use? This bridge seems a little too dangerous to me. The message of Christ can become uncomfortable, and it can even become dangerous. Our passage in Luke tells us that the people loved what Jesus had to say. They welcomed his message. But then Jesus addresses some of the harder truths that needed to be spoken to his audience. Remember that they liked what he had to say, but Jesus kept talking. In other words, he could have stopped right there, and it would have been a great day. After the message was over, they would have just embraced him. They'd have said, good, me- good message, Pastor. That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing today. Just like what happens sometimes on Sunday morning. But Jesus kept talking, and he calls them out on their hypocrisy. And then we see their response. Look at Luke 4, 28 and 29. It says this, all the people, now remember, they liked what he said, right? They loved it. Verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Now, we all know that their efforts were unsuccessful, But the point is that your message will not always be received well. You still serve as the bridge, but you should not expect that it will always be received well. Certainly as we get to some of the more difficult truths of God, some will not be interested and some will even become angry because of what we share. But if we genuinely love them, then we must proclaim the truth anyways. Now maybe you feel inadequate for the task that's at hand. I'm not the most talented speaker or the most intelligent Bible scholar. What if I mess things up? I'm reminded of a story that's found in Acts chapter 4. It's when Peter and John have healed a man on their way to the temple. He was a man who had been born lame. They're brought before the religious rulers And are being chastised, not for healing the man, but for telling others that they did it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
they instructed these ordinary men who had simply been with Jesus to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And I love their response. Remember, they're just ordinary guys, but they have had an experience with Jesus Christ. They knew his love. They knew his passion. They knew who he was and everything about him. And he was now a part of them. This is what they said. It says in Acts 4, 19 to 20, Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And even though what they said might offend somebody, they said, I'm still going to speak the truth. This bridge may not be as comfortable as other bridges, but this is the bridge that God called me to be. If Jesus Christ is truly the center of your life, then you'll have all that you need to stand and boldly proclaim the truth to the world around us. We have the power of God within us to answer the call. I have one last thought for you. Before someone corrects me, first of all, know that I already know that Jesus is the ultimate bridge. We are merely his vessels beyond the crucifixion. But there are those in Scripture that God seemed to use often as a bridge. When I think of the greatest bridges in Scripture, not including Jesus Christ again, I think of someone like the Apostle Peter. I mean, what he did is incredible. And the thing is, it's even foretold from the moment that he meets Jesus that he's going to be that bridge. Jesus declares to him, he says, your name shall be Peter, which means rock, or Petra, which means rock. He said, and on this rock, I will build my church. There was this expectation from the very beginning that Peter would be this incredible bridge to a world that desperately needed it. And certainly as we look at the life of Peter, it was fulfilled. Peter did incredible things. The day of Pentecost, who would stand up and preach but Peter? Peter would proclaim that Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, has now been resurrected. And he proclaims to the people how they can be redeemed. And thousands would actually respond to the message Peter gave. Peter would become the leader of the New Testament church in many ways, pointing to the people as this is what it's supposed to be like. Peter was a great bridge. But I wonder... Was Peter really the greatest bridge aside from Jesus in the New Testament? Some would say maybe Andrew was. You say, ah, no, Andrew was somewhat insignificant. Andrew doesn't really do a whole lot. We don't hear a lot about him in the New Testament. Actually, Andrew is a great bridge. You know what Andrew did? He brought people to Jesus. The feeding of the 5,000 where the rest of the disciples are looking and they're kind of frustrated thinking, Jesus, you got to send all these people home. We don't have enough food to feed these people. If you leave them out here, they're going to starve. This is going to be a disaster. They're going to start riding. you got to send them home. Andrew says, there's a little boy over here. He's got a few loaves of bread and a few fish. But what can we do with that? Well, Jesus could do an awful lot with that. Andrew couldn't have done it by himself, but he knew where to take him. He took him to Jesus. Did you know that Andrew actually met Jesus before Peter did? 
One day, Andrew is serving as one of the followers of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is baptizing individuals, but John the Baptist also did a whole lot of preaching. He preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And as Jesus came near, John the Baptist declares, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And at that moment, John the Baptist lost a couple of his followers. Not because they didn't like John the Baptist, but John the Baptist came to prepare the way to make straight paths for Christ. That means that John the Baptist was just kind of pointing to the other guy, which is Jesus. One of those followers of John the Baptist was Andrew. And Andrew, from that point, begins to follow after Jesus. We're actually told that as he follows after Jesus, that he goes and he finds his brother, Peter. And he says, look, we have found the Messiah. You know the story with Peter. We've already talked about it. But who was the bridge to bring Peter to Jesus. Now, now here's the deal. <laughs> Andrew, from this point forward, would never be referred to again as Andrew. Every other time in Scripture that we see Andrew being referenced, he is referred to as Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Andrew had the opportunity to meet Jesus and to not be in the shadow of his brother ever again. He has discovered the Messiah, and this could be his opportunity to be something great. I want you to know he was already great. But by becoming the bridge that would connect his own brother to Jesus Christ, he becomes a man in the shadows to Simon Peter. But which one was really the greater bridge? You say, I'm not as gifted as other people, and they'd be much better at telling other people about Jesus. God has created you with all of the gifts and the opportunities that you have because the people you reach and the lives that will be changed through you and the people that you will connect to Jesus Christ will be different from somebody else. You say, I'm not as good as they are. Now, maybe you're not, but God created you the way you are so that you could serve as a bridge to others. And who knows, maybe someone that you get to invest in and you get to reach for Christ might be the next Peter. Maybe you'll walk in their shadow. Do you think Andrew was ever disappointed to see his own brother, whom he introduced to Christ, become the incredible missionary and leader of the New Testament church? Absolutely not. He had served his purpose, much like John the Baptist served his purpose, pointing people to Jesus. Andrew served his purpose, pointing people to Jesus. And we must serve the purpose of pointing people to Jesus. What are we doing right now to answer the call that God has placed on each one of us? Are we truly loving the world around us? Are we loving the church around us? Are we truly pointing people to Jesus Christ? If not, it's time to answer the call. It's time to be the bridge that he created us to be. 
if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, you have reached into our lives and you have made it possible for us to connect with you. Thank you that your son, Jesus Christ, became the ultimate bridge for us, bridging the gap that was created by the presence of sin. Lord, I pray right now that you would allow us to also serve as bridges to those around us. Allow us to point others to your love and your grace and your faithfulness. Lord, I pray right now that you would already lay people on our hearts that maybe we would be like Andrew and we could go and share with them that we have found the Messiah. Lord, I pray that you would cause them to be open, to respond, to hear. Lord, I pray that the love that is in us for them would be on display. Help them not to see this as us preaching at them, but us loving them enough that we cannot be content leaving them where they are. They need to know this Messiah too. Lord, I pray for fruit. I pray that each individual in here would become your instruments to bring people from sin and death to life and purity. And I pray that as we do, that we would truly see an incredible move of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that every person in here would be able to reach someone else for you. I pray that you would allow us to be your bridges to the world around us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I do encourage you to be the bridge that God has called you to be. Maybe there's someone already that God has placed on your heart. Maybe it's a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, whatever it may be. I challenge you to share with them the love that Jesus Christ has for them. You be the bridge. Don't wait for someone else to come and do it for you. God placed you in their lives for a reason. You be the bridge for them. Thank you for being a part of our service this morning. Go in peace.